As, uh, as many of you know, uh, this past week, um, I, or as many of you know, last weekend, my, uh, my grandmother passed away. Um, she was 98, uh, was able to be there when, and anoint her uh, as she was uh, right, as she, right before she died. Um, it was really beautiful. Um, but this past week, we had uh, her funeral service. Uh, it was on Wednesday, uh, so I know a lot of people here were praying and very, very appreciative, me, my family, everybody. Um, but one of the things about, uh, that was really interesting about the funeral services is uh, it was one of the first times that that side of our family has gotten together uh, in a really long time. Um, my, uh, I, I, I've shared this before, but when, when we were growing up, right, summertime, breaks, things like that, we didn't get babysitters, we would just go take over my mom's house. Um, so it was, really in, it was really cool to just kind of be able to be with all of my cousins uh, who for much of my young life were like brothers and sisters, right? They were like an extension of my family. And it was one of the first times in a few years now uh, that all of us, or so many of us, got together uh, like that. And sad that it was around for a funeral, but, um, but just something that was really interesting. We, when, when, you know, for a funeral, usually you have, you know, the, the bodies out in front and people come up and pay their respects. And then the family is all kind of around, right? So my mom and her brothers, her five brothers were all together, kind of near the, the coffin and everything else. Um, but what had happened was, is our whole, like all of my cousins, like my generation, we all kind of migrated over to one corner and we were just kind of visiting. And it was really, it was, it was cool. Like we, we were catching up, picking on each other, joking around, talking way too much for being in church, right? Like doing all the things, but like it was just great to kind of catch up and as people would make their way through the line and share their condolences and things. We might like get pulled by somebody who would say, oh yeah, thank you, have a short conversation. But then all of our family, like all of the cousins were kind of, we would kind of migrate back into our little corner and, and we would talk and hang out and visit. It, it just kind of felt like old times, which was really, really interesting. We had the we had the wake, we had the funeral, we had the burial, the, the little reception after we did all the things. And we all kind of went home and, and went to our own thing. And my sister and I, we went over to my mom and dad's after and we were visiting. And my sister, we we were both reflecting on this. We were just saying how, how it was it was nice and it was good to catch up and seeing how good everybody's doing and seeing like grand like, you know, everybody's kids and, and stuff like that. It was really beautiful to see. And my sister shared, my sister said something that, that just stuck with me all week. She said, uh, she said, we should really try and get together like that more often. And I, it, it was a great, it was a great idea. Like, I, I think it'd be so much fun. Like, it would, you know, like just, it, it would be awesome to get together. And then you start thinking about, well, if we, if we say we're going to do that, then, well, this kid, these kids play baseball and these kids play basketball and these kids, they got these things going on. Like, it, it, we, we'll never be able to do it. You come up with the 55 reasons why not. But it's just like it was something that stuck with me for a while that we wanted to, to kind of rehash or kind of re-spark that, that, that moment of all of us being together. And I, I couldn't understand why it stuck with me as long as it did. But as I was driving home and, and then as I was reflecting on it after, I think, for me, one of the reasons why that was so, it, it kind of stuck with me, was because, and, and, and as, as sad as it is, my, my grandma passing away, my, my grandpa passed away like 10 years ago, but my grandma passing away, in a way, kind of closes a chapter. Like there's a, the, the person that kind of unified all of us, that kind of was the house that we all kind of went over to, you know, like the, the person that we knew, hey, we might be all over the place, but when Mama passes away, as sad as this is, like we knew we were all going to be in the same room together. Like we knew that was going to happen at least one more time. Well, now that one more time is gone and, and it almost feels like a chapter or a season 
was kind of close. And now all of a sudden, like all of those good memories, all of that good time, all of that, that growing up together really is kind of, it, it's kind of done. And now it's a memory. Like there's a clear moment that now all of a sudden what is becomes what was. And, and, and now it's a memory. And it, it was fun to reflect on and it was fun to think about, but like it, it's a memory. And, and it just kind of is. Now, I, I say that, I don't mean to kind of put a wet blanket on, on Sunday night, right? But like, I say that because I think at, at different points in our life, those kind of things happen. Sometimes it happens like around a death. Sometimes it happens around good things, right? Like somebody graduates. You graduate from high school. And now all of a sudden, like, high school was, it it shifts from being what is to what was, and like all the memories are now in a yearbook, and they're on a shelf, and then you turn 35, and you're still looking back and thinking, man, I was, I peaked in high school, right? Like, it was like, oh, it was so cool, and I had so many good stories, and you talk, and like, you go to a reunion, and you share some of those stories, but then like, it's just a bunch of memories, and you're just saying the same stories over and over and over, and nobody really cares, right? Like, you're just trying to relive, but it's never going to be again. In, in family right, life, like in family life, right? Like it happens again. Like like you get married, and and our, our dating relationship was because now marriage is. The buddies, like the guys I would go hang out with and do X, Y, and Z with, it was now my wife is right. I'm getting you back. Got you get back, girls. Like right, like. Whenever if, if you're thinking about, <laughs> I just heard some, you know. Like, <laughs> Some people need to go to confession. That's not my fault. Anyway, but your first, your first child, right? Your first child's born, and, and, and okay, now the, 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 the spouse relationship, okay, that, that, that was, now, now mom and dad is what is. There's a clear moment, I think, a lot of times in life where what is becomes what was, and a new is starts. Right? You follow me? Right? A, a, what is becomes what was, and a new is begins. Today, if, if, I think if today, if, if we could talk to St. Peter, right? And we could pull St. Peter up, and we could have him, he and I, up here in the sanctuary talking. First of all, I would sit down and let him talk, right? But like, but like <laughs> if, if we could pull him up and, and ask him, like, at what moment, what was the most impactful moment in your life? Like, what was the thing that happened that all of a sudden what is became what was and a new is began? I think he would say, read today's gospel. Because all of a sudden, what is that, the is that became the was is, is the fisherman, Peter. The, the fisherman named Simon from Capernaum. We, we hear repeatedly that every time Peter goes out to fish, right, he doesn't catch any fish, right? So the, 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 the bad fisherman named Peter, right, of Capernaum. <laughs> but that, that is, today, becomes a was. Because a random guy that lives in Capernaum came up to him and said, I want you to be my disciple. Like, think about, think about the discipline of what it means to be a fisherman in this time, right? They live in a small city, a small town, that's right on the coast of the Sea of Galilee. 
That's where James, John, Andrew, and Peter, all four of today's, of today's apostles that are being called, right? They all live in this relatively small town. Pete, uh, uh, Jesus himself, right, he settles where? In this small town, in this place. It's not a very big place. It's smaller than Thibodeau. And if you, everybody knows each other's business in Thibodeau, then you know everybody knows each other's business in Capernaum. And what happens is, is that they're, in, they're living in Capernaum. There are these four fishermen. And what happens is, is that every day, a fisherman, if they don't fish, they don't catch. If they don't catch, they don't eat. They don't live. So I have to believe that like, the discipline in the life of a fisherman was wake up early, you go and fish, you come back, you sell your catch, you clean your nets, you get ready for, for bed because the next day you're waking up, you're going fish, and on and on and on. It's a disciplined life. It's an ongoing thing. Well, what happens is, is in the monotony of his life, in the boring details of life, all of a sudden Jesus comes and interrupts Peter. Jesus inserts himself into Peter's life and looks at him and says, I want you to follow me. I want you to do something greater. I want you to do something bigger. I want what is to become what was. Because I got a new is for you. You'll be a fisher of men. Does this with Peter? Does this with Andrew? Does this with James? Does this with John? And all four of them, when Jesus says this and looks at them and invites them and says, I want you to be my disciple. I want you to follow me. I want to become the is of your life. Every one of them drop their nets and go. They drop their livelihood and they go. James and John, they leave their father. Their dad is in the boat with them. The one who probably taught them how to fish. The one who probably taught them the skill and the trade. They leave the one, like, they leave the nest, literally, and they walk away from their dad. Why? Because Jesus says, I'm calling you to something different. You see, this is this invitation that happens to Peter, to James, to John, to Andrew. The the same invitation that happens to the apostles in the early in the in the first century is the same invitation that happens to us as well as Christians. You see, see, Jesus looks at us, and wherever we are right now, whatever your is is, right? Whatever it is that right now you're dealing with, you're thinking about the thing that's got you consumed, the monotony of your normal day, right? Whether you're a student, if you're working, if you're retired, if you're taking care of grandkids, whatever it is, like on a daily basis, God is looking at you and He says, I want to become your is. And what is needs to become a was. Like God is saying, I want to be the most important thing in your life. Now it might seem like, oh, well, but like Father, like what about my wife, my family? Like, well, when God becomes the most important thing in our life, it also affects those things. It makes us better at those things. But God is saying, I want to be what is in your life. Let me. Some of us may, may have like a point in our life that we can look back and say, like, oh yeah, I knew that moment. 
Like, that's whenever I just, like, gave my life over to God, right? A lot of us probably were baptized as infants, and, like, somebody spoke on our behalf. But, like, at a, at, at many of us, like, probably have experienced, like, on a retreat or something like that. Like, God said, I want to be, and we were like, yes, and it was great. And then, like, boom, dropped the nets and been following ever since. And awesome, and it's something you celebrate. But if not, God is continuing to call you right now and saying, I want to be what is in your life. I don't want to be an afterthought. I don't want to be second place. I want to be what is. And there's a reason. There's a reason why God, like, there's a reason even why Jesus does it today, like, for the apostles. You see, our first reading and our gospel today both talked about the, uh, the, the first reading came from the prophet Isaiah, and our gospel quoted the prophet Isaiah. Because what, what they're talking about with this whole idea of, of being in darkness and having seen a great light is that the, the, the prophet Isaiah is talking about the 12 tribes of Israel that, that broke apart. You know, like the first covenant, the co- one of the first covenants, the Old Testament covenant, where God establishes these 12 tribes of Israel in the Jewish faith. What, what happens is, is that through different corruption and through different kind of, kind of infighting and, and different sin, what happens is these 12 tribes of Israel, they, they break apart. They're not unified anymore. They don't follow. The, like they, 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 there's infighting. They're, they're, there's a division in the kingdom of Israel. Like, like all of the things that that corrupts that corrupted the the Old Testament covenant. It goes on. And and Isaiah is saying is that this darkness should not exist. But God will bring about light to defeat the darkness. And today, what happens is is that he begins that process by finding his first four of the disciples. He's going to find eight more. The twelve disciples are going to replace the twelve tribes of Israel. So what Jesus is doing today is He's saying, I'm going to let the people who live in darkness see a great light. And what's going to happen is, is we're going to establish a church, a family, and that family is going to be my light in the world. Think about Pentecost. How did they know they received the Holy Spirit? Tongues of fire? on their head, and they went out. My light will go into a dark world. Well, it's not just for the apostles. It's not just for the, the, the apostles who then made more apostles, and then the apostles, who, the apostles, the apostles, the apostles, and generations of apostles who are now the bishops. It's meant to be a church that is a light in a dark world. You know, when I was in, when I, when I, if the first time I, I was assigned at St. Thomas, I was a deacon. And it was right after, it was right as I was finishing up seminary, and I, I, and I loved my time here, and it was awesome. One of the things I did, I, I taught a class on the spirituality of the laity. And I'm more and more convinced that the, the more I've kind of read on this and, and seen and looked at it, that the, the, the spirituality and the role of the laity in our Catholic Church is probably one of the best kept secrets ever. Because most, most of the people in the church, most of the people that are, in, that are involved in the church, that are part of the church, right, the structure of the church, most of us, most of you are lay faithful. Because you're not the priest, you're not a nun, you're not a deacon, right, you're not a bishop, like, you're a lay person. What does that mean? What's the role that you're supposed to play? Well, a lay person is a baptized person that's been sent by Christ, right, that's been commissioned by Christ to do what? To bring him to the secular world the secular sphere, to be on the front lines in the battle.
meant to be on the front lines out in the world. The reason why I bring that up is because whenever, like, I, I know I've had moments where I felt like I wanted to get involved in the church, like when I was in college and then when I was in high school and saying, like, I remember going to people and saying, hey, I really want to get involved. What can I do with the church? And some very, very well-intentioned person at the church looked at me and said, well, you could read. And I'm like, oh, thank you. But like, I, w- I really want to get involved. And they're like, you can read, or you can sing, or you can pass the collection. Now, real quick, my people that sing, my people that read, my people that pass the collection, <laughs> I love you dearly. I thank you dearly. But I will say, and I'm confident to say this, because I know the people that read, that sing, and do those things here in our church, I, I know this isn't the expression of your, the totality of your Catholic faith. If the totality of your Catholic faith is the two minutes of reading the prophet Isaiah saying words that nobody really understands with phrases that people really don't understand, if that's the totality of what it means to be Catholic in your life, then we are doing a really, really poor job. Because being a Catholic is not about being active on Sunday necessarily. It's about being fed on Sunday and being commissioned and sent and released upon the world. So that in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, that we become light bearers. We become people who bring the presence of Christ with us wherever we go. Whether we're sitting at a football game, watching a, watching a movie, or hanging out with friends. That we bring Jesus with us into the rest of our life. If we're not living as an active church, out there, then, there, then the darkness is going to continue to win. Because the people in darkness have seen a great light. That promise that Jesus said was what requires us to be actively engaged. It requires us to be part of the solution, part of His presence in the world. What does sin do? It, it, it breaks down our flame, if you will. It hurts our, our, our flame. It, 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 it sometimes mortal sin like will extinguish our flame. That we can't bring the light into the darkness. But when we come to Mass, what's happening is, is that God's feeding the fire within us. And He wants to set the world on fire. May we be agents of, 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 of arson, if you will. May we be ones that are sent out to set the world on fire with the presence of the Holy Spirit. How? Like, by, by very simply, by being the holiest parent you possibly can. By being the holiest 16-year-old you possibly can. By not watching pornography for one day. <laughs> by, by, by not saying a disparaging thing about that person. By, by, by trying to spend time with someone who just really aggravates you. That's how we become God, God's presence in the world around us. See, I've said it before, that the last words of the, of the Mass are not a suggestion. They're a command. So when Jesus was telling us, when Jesus saw Simon Peter, when He saw when he saw Andrew, when he saw John, when he saw James, and he called them, he said, I want to be what is. In your life, is Jesus what is? Or is he just a good idea? 
Today, when we come to this Mass, we, 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 we ask the Lord to break through the noise of our own life, the darkness of our own life, and allow us to receive and then share His light. Because we don't want to go back. We, we don't want to go back to a life that's just boring and monotonous. Waking up early, getting our work done, going to bed, to do it tomorrow. But instead, let our faith consume us. That when we leave this church, we, looked at, we look, act, and sound different. That we spread the Lord's Gospel. That we, that, that we become Christ's presence in the world. That we ultimately set the world on fire around us. That's been the call of the church from the very beginning. May we, today, here in this community, in this town, answer that call.